Hey everyone, I'm Emma. This is Adam. This is Evie. And welcome back to the Tar Pit Podcast. We're excited to be back after this two-parter episode with improved equipment for the podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. So we have the two-parter we talked about, and we are starting in Bangkok on the first part, and we're going to Vietnam. And there's three flights. So there's different groups get one of the three flights and it looks like things are going fine and everything's peachy king. And then all of a sudden, what happened? The 145, which is the earliest flight, got delayed to three o'clock. Yes. So they actually don't become the first flight to arrive. They become a later flight. They now. become the second. Yep. And so the second flight becomes the first. And so now it mixes up the order of who's landing in Vietnam to start this leg of the race. Only two teams knew about the 150 flight, which was the second flight. So those two teams got an advantage this time. Yeah, that's nice. So once they're there, though, once everything transpires and the delayed flight leaves, they land in Vietnam and they take a bus to this floating market area for their first challenge. And they're there and they each are on this boat and they have a list of items in the floating market that they're supposed to get. Do you guys remember what some of those items are? These big melons, oranges, and dragon fruit. Dragon fruit, right. And there was a lot of dragon fruit that they had that they had to take to the vendors, Mm -hmm. right? So they have a list of items and they have the items in their boat and they're taking them to these floating vendors for the vendors to later sell, I guess. So there are two teams that could potentially unload at each station, but if there's two teams there then they have to wait for one of them to unload fully before they can. And there are times where teams get there and they decide to go to a next station instead of wait. And then there's more teams at that station. Right. And that's where I think some of the teams made a mistake because if you didn't wait, I understand that, but you could potentially get to another station and have to wait still because everyone and every station is just being used at the moment. And I think it just wastes a lot of time just to go to the next one. Yeah, that's what I think it does too. And so I think during this stuff, though, everyone pretty much had an easy time getting through. The one hiccup was Joe and Ian. They forgot their um, their clue their clue, and one of the stations when they were dropping off fruit. They realized it, though, before they got too far. And another hiccup was Morgan and Lena kept going to different stations where more people were, so that forced them to use their express pass. When they should have just used it sooner. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they were going to the different stations and they were occupied because they were in the last batch of the groups that came. And so they get there and they at all the stations are occupied. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Finally, they get fed up and they said, let's use our express pass when it probably would have been more helpful if they had used it sooner. And like maybe the first one that was filled up. Yeah, they should have used it because they're getting close to the expiration of it anyways. Or I would have used it at the detour, the Mm -hmm. vinyl detour, because that took a long time. Yeah. Well, it didn't take too long for them, I don't think. It took like three tries. Yeah, I think it took, I think each try, though, took a long time. Yeah, because you have to like stretch it out and stick it on the fender. Yeah, it definitely looked like it was hard. So they go through the floating market. Again, the hiccup, major hiccup was Joe and Ian for getting a clue. They go back to get it. They have to wait for the team that's already there to unload. And so they get their clue finally. 
and everyone is going and making their way to this boat landing area and to get uh, another clue of where they're supposed to be. So they get there and they all make their way to the detour that says they can choose between doing a vinyl covering on motorbike parts or making rice paper. Mm-hmm. And most teams choose the rice paper. It seems easier. Channel, right, yeah. And in and theory, it seems easier. But Melina and Andrea had to wait for a little while. They did. Yeah, they got there and every station was full. They did, yeah. So as, as they arrive, of course, to where the detour tells them what they get to do, then they, depending on their order there, depends on their order of when they arrive at the actual detour challenge. So the teams, though, that decided to do vinyl were teams like Joe and Ian. Jeremy and Liam. Jeremy and Liam and the sisters Morgan and Lena. And is that? That's it. That was it. it. Yeah, there was just a few groups that decided to do that. It looked very, very challenging. It looked like the vinyl gets very tricky uh, and that you have to apply it with heat. And it seemed like every team, both people had to do it to get it done well. Mm -hmm. It looked like it was a very, very intricate or complex challenge. So then the other teams decide to do the rice paper making. And do you want to describe that, Emma? The rice paper making, they had to pour this rice, almost water, liquid, over a stove. And it was really thin, almost like a crepe. And then once it cooked, you had to pick it up and roll it over itself and then lay it down to dry, but in a way that it didn't fold over itself and it didn't tear. It had to be perfect. And I feel like Joel and Garrett... We're really good at that since Joel used to make crepes. That's right. They called him Pierre when he was in the military. Yeah. Right. He used to make crepes all the time. So he, yeah, they seemed to cruise, well, not cruise through it, but they seemed to do a, a, a pretty good job. They only had to do one more. Like change one more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Change one of them out. Yeah. I thought that Victor and Jocelyn would do really well because they sell them, but they, they kind of sold on that one. Mm. Yeah, they struggled a little bit. Yeah, they did struggle. They do sell rice paper, but they don't make it. Yeah. And I think that they thought their familiarity would give them an advantage, but... I feel like they're very overconfident with the food challenges. Well, it seems like it would right now because they do their business, right, as an international market. And so there's a lot of items that they're familiar with. Um, but they've never made them. But you, yeah, making, selling rice paper and making rice paper is probably very different. Yeah. yeah. It looked like it was very um, sensitive, like it could tear easily. Yeah, fold super easily. Or fold on you if you don't scoop it up with that bat baton looking thing. It looks like it could just really tear or fold on you easily. So I, I think rightfully so, a lot of teams seem to have a struggle with that at first. But a lot of teams also, once they did a few, got the hang of it. But Jocelyn and Victor definitely definitely struggled, struggled with it. And that, that put them behind. Because as the teams were finishing... They just couldn't get it. They just couldn't get it. So they were, that put them behind when they were really a front runner up until then. Mm-hmm. They said that it was hard to pick up. Like other teams said that it was hard to pick up. I was just wondering how it sticks to the bat thing. Yeah, is there like is it because it's it not fully still? done? If it's fully done, it seems like it wouldn't do it. Like a crepe would be spongy and not sticky, not wet, sticky. I thought rice paper was like thin, crunchy, like paper texture. Well, maybe maybe when it dries, it gets like that. I don't know. 
So they do that and they get to what they think is going to be a pit stop later in the episode. And it ends up being, I don't know if I'd say it was a twist or if it was just... It was just a surprise. A surprise. There you go. Um, Because, of course, they all are under the impression there's no elimination legs, non-elimination legs this season. And they get to the pit stop and Phil tells them... You're still racing. You're still racing. And really it becomes a part one of a mega leg. And so here's the clue. And they are sent to... They're still in Vietnam, but they are sent to Cafe 2DX. And that's a cafe in Vietnam where they have to go and get their clue. And it's done in a way where the first teams, of course, from the first half become the first ones to arrive there. And so that become, that's Steve and Anna Lee. Mm-hmm. They kick off that second half of that mega leg. Uh, and then all the teams are functioning on very little sleep at this time. Some teams said they only got like a couple hours of sleep. And Liam and Jeremy were the last to arrive at the pit stop. And Phil said, they're not just last, they were dead last. That's right. He did say that. And so that put them as dead last to start the spot where they have to go to the cafe. And as you said, some people were functioning on very little sleep. I think Todd and Ashley mentioned that they only had two hours that night Mm -hmm. before. And they get to the cafe and the cafe does what, Evie? So the guy at the counter at the cafe gives them a clue for their detour, stand or deliver. The detour stand was they had to go to a fish market and set up a fish stand that looks exactly like the replica. And then deliver, they had to deliver mattresses through the bustling streets to a hotel. Right, so they had to choose. So one was more about detail and one was more sort of physical and strength, right? The stand challenge of the detour, they have to go to this live fish market And they look at a display, and the display has an assortment of different live fish that people can buy. And they have to not only get the right fish in each bucket, but put it in the order and all the fish facing in the same direction. And the right amount. As the display and the right amount, um, all that stuff. So it's very detailed oriented. The deliver challenge of the detour is they go to a truck that has a ton of mattresses as a supply truck and they have to deliver four mattresses to a hotel that's down the street and so that takes a lot of strength though to do because they have to go to this hotel and they have to walk up several flights of stairs for whatever room they're assigned to deliver those four mattresses. And each mattress weighs 66 pounds, and they had to deliver four of them. And some teams at first were trying to do more than one. And some did did get two at the same time. Like Jeremy and Liam. Yep. But no one could get three. Yeah, no one could get three. And even some teams found it, even though it's more trips, easier to do one at a time instead of two. Um, I think Joe and Ian decide decided to just do one at a time after they did the first trip because yeah. it was so exhausting. It's so hot, so humid. Everyone's sweating. Everyone is dripping in sweat, running down the street with these mattresses on their head. And Joe and Ian, I think, were the funniest because they were the ones that were just bumping into each other. Their mattresses, they had the first trip they made was two stacked on each other, mm-hmm. and they had them over their heads like everyone else was doing, carrying down the street. But because there were two, they were sliding around a little bit. And they just kept bumping into each other. They knocked they hit some a motorcycle. guy. Yep. They, they knocked some guy who 
was riding a motorbike and knocked his head and his helmet <laughs> off a little bit or cricket anyways. Um, so it was kind of funny seeing all them run uh, to that. One of their mattresses fell out of the casing. Yes, it fell out of the protective wrapping that was there, the plastic. Liam and Jeremy, though, they did two at a time and only had to make two trips. Yeah, they did really they did. well. Yeah, they did. They they did two at a time and they only had to make two trips. They were trying to make up time because, again, during that first half of the leg... They were in um, dead last. Phil told them they were in dead last, right? And that really stuck record with them. And on Yermi's story, he has this little Q&A thing right now. And he answered the question, why were they so far ahead in the mattress challenge? And why they did so well. And he said because they work out a lot and they knew that they could do two at a time and other people couldn't. Mm, Yeah, yeah, they seem pretty young and fit. So I'm sure that was easier for them. But Joel and Garrett did a great job. Mm -hmm. They were the first ones to arrive at the mattress mattress truck. And and they figured out where the hotel was from their first round of delivering a mattress. And then they get back to the truck and there are other teams there. And Joel took a hot tip from Todd from that first episode where he said, I know where the hotel is and I'll show you if you let me get the mattress off the stack first so they could get their second one before the other teams got their first one. Mm. And so they did that and that gave them a little bit of a leg up and the other teams followed them to the hotel. So he kind of took a little tip from Todd and said, I know I know what this is. Let me cut to the front. Um, so that was a good good strategy, I felt like. Ashley, like, she said she broke her finger, and Todd was like, it's okay, I broke my fingers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were just, they were definitely trying to get through it. And speaking of some tough love, I think at the stand challenge at the live fish market, one of the funnier teams to me was Melina and Andrea. Mm-hmm. Melina was so squeamish and so... <laughs> resistant to the live fish and she had gloves on and she was not having it she did not want to touch them at all and andrea was so funny she definitely gave her some tough love and just said let's get through it you're not afraid you're not afraid let's do it and so she gave her some tough love and she just was not having it for melina she's like mm-hmm. get this going let's do it now she's that friend that just is cutting through your hang-ups and saying get over it right. yeah robin also struggled because the eels reminded her of snakes and she said that she really did not like snakes and i can relate to that i don't like snakes i don't like eels they're not my thing yeah, that, I think that would have probably been the hardest thing to do because yeah. they looked so wiggly and so Especially squirmy. the long ones. And they're alive. I was like really freaked out by them. I did not want to watch it. Lena was also uh, yeah. freaking out a little bit too. And no, Morgan. it was Morgan. Lena was like, you're not afraid of eels. And Morgan was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and Victor and Jocelyn didn't seem to be phased at nope. all by the challenge uh, at the fish market. So they, again, just took on that uh, international grocery store. I don't know if I'd say advantage, but experience. He knew the fish. Yeah. And he knew of some of those fish were. He just was not phased. They just dove in and were taking charge and uh, getting it done. Melina, again, freaked out. Uh, and Robin said she had a fear of snakes. But once Morgan and Lena got over their initial, I guess, squeamishness of it, then they kind of cruised through it. They were just mm-hmm. diving in. They were just scooping stuff up and diving through. So did Steve and Annalie. They finished really fast. First one's there, first one's out. Yeah, they did. They did a great job. 
Uh, Anna Lee didn't want to touch anything either. No, she was better about it. That was just that first few minutes. Cause just I think, the eels. Yeah, just the eels. That's true. She did have her one or dead. I eels. would not touch the eels either, though. So. But they were first in, first out, and they kind of took charge and did it and just got over their issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back at the hotel, Yermi and Liam crushed it. They were mm-hmm. doing two trips for two mattresses each, bringing themselves up more from dead last, bringing their place up. And then also Rob and Corey really did a good job, too. They were just really just moving forward, pushing through, got to their deliver their stuff. And they all did a really good job. And I just imagine how hot it was, though. Everyone was just so sweaty. I did like to during the deliver coverage or footage on the show, they had some nice interviews with Liam and Yermi. And Mm -hmm. it kind of gave the audience a, uh, a chance to know them better. Um, from their past and what what this race means to them. Yep. So when they're done with each of their detours, they get the clue from the judge at each, either at the hotel or at the fish market, mm-hmm. and that leads them to the pagoda. And at the pagoda, they're there and it says, make a wish, right? Mm-hmm. And they have this tradition at this pagoda where these wishes are written down on these slips of paper and they're elevated in these baskets. And it's a it's a place of reverence, a place of sort of sacredness and, and really thinking about things in life and that kind of stuff. And no um, running. Kind of religious, kind of spiritual. No running. Yep, and no running. And so they're there. And of course, as you would suspect, most teams make a wish to be number one on the race or to win the million dollars. And so there are a couple teams, though, that don't do that. So I would say that Corey and Rob and Todd and Ashley had more of a non-race wish. Mm-hmm. And Morgan and Lena. Yeah. yeah, Morgan and Lena wish to have a good trip and to grow closer to each other. And Todd and Ashley had a wish of world peace, and Corey and Rob had the wish. Uh, well, it was more Corey's probably because he was the one who was doing it. He wrote down that he wanted to visit one country uh, for Each every year. year of his life. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fun, too. Yeah. So those three teams had non-race wishes. Uh, but of course, like we said, everybody else wished to become uh, to win first place or to win the million dollar prize at the end. Yeah. Once that was done, they then are taken to a roadblock where it's called Matchmaker. And that's at this huge temple and it's sprawling and it's called the Hung King Temple. And they're given a card, a little card that has a design. And it's a design of the tiles that are laid out on this expansive property. And there are hundreds, probably thousands. And all of them look the same. And on their card, there's like one little detail that's different. Like some of them had two divots, some had three, some were facing the other way. And it was really hard to find which one was yours. Yeah, I assume from the way that it was done is that most of the tiles are identical to each other. But sprinkled in there are some one-offs where maybe the little spiky part of somebody's hair the way if you look at the show you'll see the shape it was kind of the shape of like these human like figures and so the spikiness that's supposed to represent the hair maybe there's two on their card when there's three on most of the tiles yeah so they have to find the one tile that has that super tiny detail that's off or some are facing to the right and theirs are facing to the left yeah 
So there's a lot of difference. Annalie was really hurrying to find hers and she almost fell down the stairs. Yeah, that's true. She was trying to cruise through it because they were, again, the first to arrive because they cruised through that fish market detour. And so they get there and they're all uh, slowly trickle in from either the fish market or from the mattress challenge. And they are filtering in and they are looking, they're given their cards, looking for their identical tile. When they find it, they raise their hand or go get one of the judges there, and then they can go to the pit stop. Straight um, to the pit stop with no clue. Yep. But I think in terms of the challenge, the matchmaker challenge, uh, the matchmaker roadblock, sorry, they all the teams did pretty good. Yeah. Victor and Jocelyn were really struggling, though. Yeah, Victor could not find it. I feel like he passed it a couple times, though. He may have. I think he just really was having a hard time for whatever reason. And the other teams, it took a while for everyone to find it, Mm -hmm. um, but it took a little bit longer for them. And as we said before, they had started out after the first and second episode being so strong and then the rice paper challenge. And now this kept pushing them further and further back in terms of the order of teams. Um, like Victor, he said that he thought that he passed the aisle, but it, he did. So he checked one and it was actually that tile. Yeah. So he passed it a couple times. He did. And so they get through and the checkpoint is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Even Joel was saying he could hear people checking in at the checkpoint with Phil when he was still looking for his tile. So it's very close by. You can hear people talking and cheering when they get to the checkpoint. Yeah. What was the order at this end of the mega leg? First place was Robin and Chelsea. Second place was Steve and Anna Lee. Third place was Todd and Ashley. Fourth was Joe and Ian. Fifth was Robin and Corey. Sixth was Liam and Yermi. Seventh was Andrea and Melina. Greg and John were eighth. And Joel and Garrett were ninth. In 10th, we have Morgan and Lena. And Victor and Jocelyn got eliminated. They were the last team. They got eliminated for this show, this season. And I was really surprised, to tell you the truth. Me too. I thought they were going to go pretty far. Yeah, they were just so strong, those first two legs. So that was sad to see them go. And Robin and Chelsea won a trip to Spain. Yeah, so. Yeah, and that that surprised me too, because I... I would have thought maybe Steve and Annalie would have come yeah. in first, yeah. um, but they seemed to squeak it out. So that was good for them. And so Todd and Annalie got the got the check at the same time, and they both got it right at the same time. But Todd thought that they had to get a clue to go to the pit stop, and Annalie knew that she could just go. Mm. Yeah, and that just, when you make decisions like that, sometimes it, it it delays you when you're trying to think, almost overthink things. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Annalie, though, I have to give them props. Steve and Annalie, they really did a good job. They they powered mm-hmm. through a lot of things today. And so we want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us. We were sad to see Jocelyn and Victor go, but here's a trip down memory lane with our interview with them when we were all getting to know them. We hope you enjoyed them as much as we did.
So my name is Jocelyn and I work at Thailand Market World Food Fair. And so I am in charge of purchasing. So my daily activity is what I call buy, buy, buy. And that's what I do a lot of the time. And I also work in the back end in terms of strategizing um, the store and how to improve customers' experience coming into our market. So our store is very unique in the sense that you go around the store as if you're traveling around the world. So every single section it's not by um, category of food, but it's more like country. So um, it kind of sort of tie into the amazing race where you're running around the world. And so when you come to our store, you are actually actively running around the world, but shopping for food. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so my name is Victor Limery. Um, I'm one of the other managers and um, I'm kind of like the, the face of the, of the store, <laughs> you know, if a store could have a face, I guess that's me. Um, I do a lot of outreach, uh, to our community. Um, I've, you know, I give talks to, to students. I, I do tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot we, of school tours. So yeah. So, so our story is just very different. As Jocelyn said, we, we sell food from every continent except Antarctica. And so, you know, our, and then as she was saying earlier, each aisle is representing a specific part of the world. So in most grocery stores, if you're going to go shopping, you go down a canned food section or cereal section, you know, baking section. And mm-hmm. ours is by a region of the world. So there's an aisle for Central and South America, mm-hmm. one, you know, actually two for India um, in, you know, different parts of Asia and different parts of Europe. So that if you're, say you're making sushi, you go to one specific part of the store as opposed to going through like five different sections, trying to find all the ingredients you need. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in, in our daily lives, um, we, we, we sell groceries and, and it's kind of funny because we sell food from everywhere, Mm -hmm. but we haven't traveled everywhere. And, and so that was kind of like one of the the things that we really that kind of pushed us to want to do the race is because wouldn't it be cool to try to experience some of this culture firsthand? Um, when did you guys decide to actually apply and go on the amazing race? Just so you know, this is Evie. Okay, Evie. <laughs> well, we actually can we can we say this? In terms of like two couple of years yeah. ago when we decide, yeah, yeah. Was so a... it was actually last year when we actually decided to apply, mm-hmm. and um, and so then we we actually got selected for season uh, thirty five, and so uh, yeah, it's been it's been a little bit a, a long time coming, you know, from when we actually applied to when we actually got on. So. Cool. So this is Emma. How long have you guys been fans of the show? <laughs> We've been on fans of the show for a very long, very long time. time. The first season, I I have to say, you know, we we work a lot, and so lot. when we come home, one of the things that we we gravitate towards is the TV, just kind of a, an escape reality. Yes. And when the Amazing Race first came on, that first season, for me, it was when um, they went to Victoria Falls, right? So. Um, just seeing this huge, huge waterfall. And it's like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And that's, I mean, that episode just hooked, hooked me personally on to the race, but we've been watching it since season one. Yeah. And because you've been watching it so long, who are some of your favorite past teams or some of your most memorable challenges? 
I think I, I still believe watching the show those for this long. I really, my favorite team that I would say still have to say is Derek and Claire. And because they're just such a sweet couple and they kind of remind me of Victor and uh, us as a couple in terms of their dynamics. And so, and I, I really like the way they run the race. And so Derek is so positive, he's funny, and he is just all around, just based on the, it makes a show even more engaging and fun to watch just because he's so sweet and he's so supportive of each other and he's somewhat lighthearted. And that comes through in the show where sometimes it, you're going through all the challenges and might be a little bit hard. And there are seasons where you just see people being really mean towards each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think Derek and Claire really brings a very positive friendship, camaraderie, everything that's really positive you want to see in a team setting or a team environment. And I think that's what they showcase because yeah. I, I think you know the amazing race has evolved so much as a show mm -hmm. right and if you especially looking at the earlier seasons and see even though the seasons in the you know numbered in the 20s um there some teams who aren't so nice to each other and especially the you know season 33 and 34 there's definitely been a big shift and, and maybe even a little bit in season 32 a big shift in in people willing to to have some um, camaraderie and mm -hmm. and be supportive of one another mm -hmm. you know not every fan's gonna love that but i think for us as a family we we really loved seeing you know kim and pen and you know during during their season and then season 34 with derek and claire mm -hmm. people were helping each other even though it is a competition they were still willing to help each other to a point um and so that that was kind of fun and you know those kind of things that we uh, values that we try to instill in, in our kids as well. So yeah, the, the last two have been super special for us, but mm -hmm. um, there have been some really, really different types of dynamics and some of them where there are teams that go out with the intention to try to sabotage other people. <laughs> and those were the seasons that maybe we didn't focus on so much as, as a family. <laughs> They're one of our favorites too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially I, I agree with you though especially as a parent when you're watching with your family uh, seeing mm -hmm. seasons or teams at least on different seasons that uh, even if they don't necessarily go out of their way to help other people or don't actively try to be nasty to others and, right. and sometimes right. that does pop up and it becomes a little disappointing when you're watching or at least a, a teachable moment with your kids of what not to do <laughs> <laughs> what not to do exactly. there, there, there are a lot of teachable moments on the amazing race <laughs> yeah for sure um so i and we've also been watching quite a bit for a while so one of the things that we've seen in the show is when people have sort of uh, natural skills or talents that they bring to the race or to the show that it sometimes helps them with certain challenges. And one of the examples I think of is uh, Bethany Hamilton, the surfer, um, when she and Adam had a water challenge that they had to do, obviously that helped them quite a bit. Um, are there any skills or talents that you brought to the, to the, um, to the show that you feel helped you without giving away specifics of challenges? I think Victor, I, I say Victor is my secret weapon because I think he's, He's very skilled in language, and then so he can pick up language fairly easily. He can he can hear the um, the tones, and so I think for that aspect, that really helped us. Like to me, that's part of our secret weapon is Victor's ability with language, and I think Victor also is very logical. So when it 
comes to so sometimes when we watch the puzzle Victor will go oh I can do that why why didn't he do this and then so part of our practice is he actually did the um we have an app where you can do the little oh you know it's like there, there's always like every few seasons there's always that little slide um that puzzle where you slide the pieces <laughs> around right? Oh, right and and then you know I think there was there, there was recent, most recently the one I think they were the at, TMZ team. at Petra, <laughs> and then yes. there was one where they were, um, you know, on, on the beach at Rio de Janeiro, and they're sliding yeah. the the pieces around. And then some of those teams were there for hours, and yes. we we're just like, oh my god, this is killing me. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could do it myself. And so, you know, we just love things. And but I think one of the things that Jocelyn says, I just love languages. <laughs> I wish I could speak like you know 30, 40 languages, but. Um, just kind of in my daily life, I have to, I'm, I'm put in situations where I have to communicate with people that don't necessarily speak English. Mm. And sometimes it's a language that I know. Sometimes it's one that I don't. And I try my best not to whip out my phone and, and try to do a, a you know, a translate um, if I can, because for me, like, I, I always want to learn about other cultures and learning about other cultures through food is like my passion. But then um, trying to learn where people are coming from by just reaching out and trying to speak some of the same words or, you know, the language that they're speaking, I think goes a long way in helping people um, kind of understand each other. You know, we're, we're not to the point yet where it's like Star Trek, where you have a universal translator on your chest <laughs> that can translate in real time. I'm not right? sure if people get that reference. Well, but... <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. I have to bring that up. But, um, but, but, you know, we're, we're not to that point yet. So even if you're using a translator, it kind of breaks down that whole communication. So if you can try to meet or at least reach out to people, you know, where they are, mm -hmm. it, it helps so much. And people are just so much nicer to you, whether you're traveling or whatever, if you just make an effort to try to reach out to them rather than try to make them adapt to you. Yes. What kind of things did you do to prepare for the show? Please tell me that you learned how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That, that was like the that was like the first thing when we found out that we had to do because um, we both learned how to drive stick shift twenty years, thirty years ago, more than thirty years ago when we first were learning to drive. But you know, um, but it's a skill that you you just have to brush up on, and so and we practice. We rented we rented a. Uh, a manual transmission car for, it was for hard. a few I think, days. Yeah, yeah, Victor Victor definitely picked it up really quickly and I'm out there going in circles, <laughs> dying. And so it was it was yes. a lot of constantly restarting. Yeah. And so, so it I was mean, tough. Yeah. So like your you know your, your advice on, on that uh, that kind of preview episode to yes. to um to learn how to drive a stick shift. Um, it is it is number one, right? Because you always see, uh, especially in Europe, when people go to Europe, mm -hmm. like all of a sudden people don't know how to drive a stick shift and then it creates all sorts of problems for us. We didn't want to be in that situation. Yeah, because we uh, were, we're actually planning, yeah. uh, before COVID, we we're actually thinking about going to Europe. And then so one of the things we're trying to look up is to rent a car and it's it's crazy, but it's easier to rent a, a manual transmission, a manual transmission yeah. car than it's automatic. So again, being on the race kind of helped Force us to learn how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every season when yeah. we watch, we're like, oh, why didn't you? Every season, there's oh, a team. I'm like, why if, didn't you do this? That or learning how to do a map or yeah. read a map. And people lie. And people lie, right? This is, oh, I know how to drive one, but yeah. 
You don't. You right. don't. And unless you 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 drive it like a one hour session on. It's a, not enough. It's not one enough. One hour session like, is not enough. <laughs> I, I seriously, yeah, I, I went and, and rented a manual transmission car for like a week just mm-hmm. to make sure I got all the little nuances down because it's been yes. a while, right? Yeah. And and so you just want to make sure that that you're prepared yes. for, for that. I think going yeah. backwards is the hardest thing. I was reversing. Reversing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really tough. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> getting stuck in the middle of the road, like, ah, panic moments. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. Uh, how has it been adjusting back to civilian life too since the race? Has, when, you're, when you are chosen to be a team mm-hmm. on the race, are you even able to tell people that you're doing this no no it's very secretive um it's so secretive that that close friends and family thought that we were on a spy mission (laughs) 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 while while we were doing this you know because we couldn't tell them and it's like well we don't you can't take your phone you don't have any outside contact and so they thought what are you guys doing? Are you going to some secret, you know, spy mission? Well, I in told a them that country? we're going on a safari where in Africa there's no cell phones. So. <laughs> and then so they thought, wow, that's so nice. And so yeah, I'll be hanging out with elephants and zebras. So no cell phone. <laughs> that's too funny. But it, it is hard to adjust because you're doing this thing, which is absolutely surreal. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not normal life at all. Not one bit, right? And you're doing it. And, um, and you can't tell anybody about it. So you come back and it's like, you have this, this, this super big secret, but you can't tell anybody. And even now people ask us and, you know, the number one question is, um, did you guys win? I can't (laughs) tell you that. Number two is when do you leave? It's like, "Mm, I don't think you know how TV works. And so, so there's like, these are all things that it's like, you just got to watch and you'll find out. Cause we don't even know exactly how all this unfolded, right? Because you're only with each other, really, you know, and then other teams are are there throughout the, the race, but you don't exactly know how things progressed. And so we're, we're so excited to see this ourselves, but yeah. it's been kind of hard. Well, coming back, sense. I think yeah. also there's a slight jet lag, just going yeah. through so many countries, traveling and coming back and then just kind of Getting back to reality where, oh, I actually have to work. Oh, I have to go, I have to go back and work. <laughs> right, yeah, I can't right. just take the rest of my life off. I know. Right? I mean, like today I can't wake up and do a challenge and go hang out with people and run around. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think imagine. that was the disappointing factor where you come back to reality and then you actually have to go to work. And then waking up and yeah. drinking coffee and driving around normally. And so it's 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 just different experience when you're on the race and you're coming back home. So yeah, there's definitely slight adjustments mm-hmm. of, um, well, and then one thing about being on the race is like the adrenaline is running through your veins the whole time. Even when, after you're done with the pit stop, you're still thinking about stuff and, mm-hmm. and trying to prepare for what's coming up next. That's, that's hard. <laughs> and I, that's not something that most people do on a daily basis. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not normal life to be on adrenaline for a month and a half or a month <laughs> for sure. I can imagine that'd be really difficult. Uh, since you guys couldn't really tell us a lot of details about the season, will you guys be willing to come back after your last episode airs to talk more about season 35? Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, you know, I think that's that that's where we think the fun is going to be talking about things when the episodes air, because 
so many people are asking us a million questions. Like, I can't say anything. You just have to watch. Please tune in September 27th and watch because I would love to talk to you about it, but I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's great. It's great to get to meet the teams though beforehand and just hear a little bit about them besides the yeah. little spotlight promo that goes on TV. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Um, well, I want to thank you for your time and we look forward to cheering you on on the 27th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations yeah. on your podcast. I mean, we're, you. we're looking forward to, to listening to this with our with our kids. So nice. Thank you. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.